Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to another episode of Home Education Matters and today I'm joined by Helen James and we are going to be talking all things economics and when I say all things economics that doesn't mean we are going to be we are going to be uh, piecing our way through the Conservative Party budget we're not going to be doing any of that we're just going to be talking about how your child can study economics at home and with an eye to the GCSEs or the the sort of options when it comes to taking an exam. So Helen, first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. And do tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into tutoring sort of within the home education sector. Well, I started out as a classroom teacher. So um, I went to Durham for uni- University to study economics. And then I had a gap year where I was teaching in a rural school in Kenya. So that's sort of what got me into teaching in the first place. Um, so I came back from my gap year and I trained to be a maths teacher, which is not unusual for economics because there's not many economics PGC courses. Um, so I wanted to stay at Durham and Durham didn't do economics. So I trained as a maths teacher. Um, my first job was in a girls school in Surrey as a maths teacher. But whilst I was there, I was given some economics to teach. And then over the years, got more, did more and more economics. And then I moved up to the Midlands, um, where I taught in a boys' school. And then during COVID, when we started with the online teaching, that's when I started doing the tutoring, because I realised that that's something that you could do online, and there seemed to be quite a lot of demand for it. And it was when I started doing the tutoring that I was sort of introduced to the home education market and started working with some home ed students. Um, a mixture of economics, GCSE and A-level, but probably a bit more A-level than GCSE. For home educators? Yes, yeah. In actual fact, my son's doing A-levels at the moment, and I I feel like there is a growing band of home educated children who are doing A-levels now, where they didn't used to be, it used to be extremely rare for home educated children to do A-levels, but there seems to be a new generation coming through that are, that are doing uh, A-levels at home now. That's, it's really good to see, actually. And the ones that I've tutored have all been so much more into the kind of what's going on in the world than the kids at school. Um, they seem a lot more interested. They're reading. They're doing a lot more reading. They know what's going on in the news. Um, they've got really good knowledge of current affairs. And sometimes they know more than I do about about sort of the world, the world and what's what's going on around us. Um, so it's actually really interesting working with the home and students because they've just got such a wide array of knowledge. Is that the main difference you notice from teaching in a school to tutoring home ed? Is that the main difference you notice is the kind of passion for the subject? Yes and I think it's not just for the subject but it's for other related things as well. They just seem to have more of a hunger for learning and um, they take a lot more initiative for their own learning and I think it means that they because they've got a more flexible timetable they can explore the things that they're most interested in. In actual fact, I went to Bangor University with my son last week and I got talking to the admissions officer there and she said it was actually for the engineering course. They specialize in nuclear engineering, Bangor. It's like a world leader in nuclear engineering. Who knew? I didn't know. Um, But she certainly told me all about it. And when I mentioned that my son was home educating, had home educated all the way through and was now self-studying his A-levels, she said to me, no word of a lie, she said, 
apply now and I'll give him a place. And wow. I said, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to wait till he gets his results. And, and she said, I don't care what grades he gets. Apply now and we'll give him an unconditional offer for engineering. I was like, OK. And she, she said, basically, what we're looking for is is students who are really autonomous and able to organize their own learning. Because she said the whole first year university is now trying to teach those kind of skills to students mm -hmm. that are coming in. Yeah, it's been astonishing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So is he, is he going to apply? No, he's not, um, oh. which is, I know he doesn't actually, he does want to do engineering, but he doesn't particularly want to go to a British university, although he did really like Bangor. Bangor was really beautiful, uh, but we were actually there for the ocean science course, which is also very, very well known for. Tell us about the economics qualifications. So we're thinking specifically about GCSE. So is there a GCSE or an IGCSE or both, or does it matter or how does that work? Right. So um, there's, both actually so the four main exam boards all have either a GCSE or an IGCSE um, so you've got Cambridge which I think is the most popular amongst home educated students and that's the IGCSE and then NXL have an IGCSE but they don't seem to have a GCSE I don't know why mm -hmm. um, and then you've got AQA with the GCSE and OCR with the GCSE Okay, wow. So that is the first time I've done quite a few of these deep dives into different subjects. That is the first time we've had all exam boards covered. So that's oh, although actually must, maths must have Math. had an exam, yeah. but I think realistically, home educators only really do edXL IGCSE maths. <laughs> Just, I don't right. I never met a home educator that doesn't do that specification. But you're saying that that you've got two GCSEs and two IGCSEs. Yeah. But you, I think you mentioned that most home educators do the Cambridge. I think so, yeah, that seems to be the popular one. My son did AQA, so there you are, just goes to show. <laughs> now, now I, I've, got a, I've got a small anecdote about economics, which I have actually mentioned really early on in our podcast. So for anyone who's heard this, feel free to eye roll your way through it because and go make a cup of tea. Because my son loved economics. And as you know, because you actually tutored him for economics for a while, and he absolutely lives, breathes, loves economics. And... So we were looking at economics GCSE when he was about 14 and he we looked at we looked at what I thought was all of the exam specs, except it wasn't, as it happened, AQA. I'd missed that, but I'd done all the others. I did OCR, I did edXM, and I did Cambridge. And we printed them all off and he looked at them all, sat them all and hated them all, just found them really boring, wasn't interested. So we shelved the idea of economics and he did statistics instead. And that was his first GCSE. So actually he must have been 13. And so we shelved economics. I thought, okay, we won't do economics. And then about a year later, it was Christmas. And I said, what would you like for Christmas? He said, I would like this economics textbook, please. And it was just like a really heavyweight university textbook. And, and I thought to myself, this is really daft. Like it's really daft that he's not doing economics GCSE. So I had another look and I found the AQA specification. He absolutely loved the AQA specification. He did he did the GCSE in a very short space of time and uh, got a nine, as far as I recall. And so he 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 really loved the, the specification that I found for him, which was AQA. Now, I was surprised how much difference there was between the specs. It's a bit like history, isn't it? In as much as they're all really quite different. Specific I, I found they were quite different specifications. I'm guessing... Perhaps it's the content is similar, but the way the questions are asked, or is it just purely that they cover different things? I think, I mean, I've not got so much experience um, recently. I've got, I suppose, I've got more experience with Cambridge because I'm an examiner for Cambridge. 
Um, and last year I tutored a few students for OCR, but I've not had AQA and Excel for a few years. But they're all, I would say, they're all fairly similar content. Um, Cambridge tends to be a bit more traditional, especially for the A-level. So a lot of things in Cambridge um, were taken out of the other specifications a few years ago. Something things like budget lines and indifference curves and not in any of the other specifications. They went out years ago, but Cambridge still have them. And then the other examples for A-level got globalisation in because that's become a big thing. Whereas Cambridge, I think they've only just brought it in. And I think similar with the GCSE, Cambridge is perhaps a little bit more traditional. Um, but it's more, I think the biggest difference really is the way it's examined. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mean the amount of papers? Uh, okay. Um, they've, all, they've all got two papers, um, okay. but it's just the, how the questions are made up. So, for example, Cambridge, which is what some really like, is um, one paper is just multiple choice. So it's an hour, 40 marks, multiple choice questions. So if you like multiple choice, then Cambridge is a really good one to go for. Um, what sort of multiple choice questions are they? Are they are they sort of data analysis style questions where you're given graphs or charts? No, or not at all. No, just straightforward. Um, I think I, I think they're straightforward, but you know, some of them will be difficult. But just just like you'd get um, in any in any exam where it would be sort of defined, sort of which one is not an example of a function of money, for example, mm. or you've got some diagrams. And it's like which which is the correct shift. Um, so it would be sometimes there's some quite tricky questions in there um but if you're a good student could get pretty much full marks on that okay and so the first paper is kind of is multiple choice and then kind of like terminology definitions understanding understanding the pure content what's the second paper then for the The second paper that is an hour and a half and for that one you have section A, which is where you have your case study. So you'll be familiar with that, where you've got your stuff to read. And then you have some questions on that. So I think you've got something like two marks, a couple of two mark questions. I think it might be a four mark. And then I think you've got a six, a couple of six mark questions in there as well. So that's all based upon the extract, the data content that you have to read. And then you've got this final section, which is it's a six mark and an eight marker. And you can choose, I can't remember how many it is, but I think you choose three from, they've changed it recently. I think you choose three from four. It used to be, I think it used to be three from six. Um, but you get you get a choice of questions, but you get your, your paired, your questions are paired, six marks and eight marks. And these um, are essay style questions. Yes, but they're not they're not particularly big. But yes, they're the, the six marker is an explain and then the eight is a evaluate discuss type for and against type of question. So would you say that the, that specification, the Cambridge IGCSE economics is writing heavy, writing light, or somewhere in the middle? I would say probably probably somewhere in the middle because mm-hmm. when you're balancing the multiple choice question, multiple choice whole paper, then yes, yeah, somewhere in the middle. But I think that Cambridge is a bit more accessible, especially if you discuss questions, because very much they are just a for and against. Um, for your discussed questions, whereas the other exam boards can be a bit more evaluating and you've got to criticise your points and students find that really hard. And so I think home educated students that don't have the same sort of input in the classroom will find those longer questions hard, whereas for Cambridge, they are a lot easier. So I um, can't even think of any example questions at the moment, but it would be it would be very much. Um, yes, yeah, so and I think one, one question that came up, which people would probably be able to answer without doing much economics, is saying, 
evaluate something like evaluate whether older workers are always paid more than younger workers. And then you'd say why older workers are paid more and then why younger workers might be paid more. So it's a very straightforward kind of for and against kind of question. Um, and if you've learned your content, it's quite easy. Whereas the other exam boards, the evaluate questions can be very tricky. And even good students will be struggling to get sort of above sort of three quarters marks unless they've had specific training in how to answer answer those questions. Yeah, I mean, I have to say those questions sound quite different to the kind of questions that my son did with AQA. And I'm wondering whether um, perhaps it's less mathsy, the Cambridge one? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you'll still have in section A, you'll still have multiple choice calculations. I don't think they tend to have calculations in um, paper B, um, sorry, paper two rather, but in the in the paper one, they'll have the calculations, multiple um, the elasticities, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think the math content is really any different across the board, four boards. Um, it's more, I think, for some reason, the Cambridge just seems to be, I just feel like the evaluate questions, the sort of longer questions seem to be a little bit more obvious what you have to do. Mm, that's interesting because I've encountered Cambridge with a couple of humanities um, mm -hmm. and it seems really hit and miss. Like the history, I mm -hmm. found the Cambridge really hard, uh, you know, very long winded, difficult to understand mm -hmm. the questions, very hard to get full marks. But the English language really lovely specification right. compared to the yeah. other so I think it I think I get the impression with Cambridge that it very there's a a lot of variation between the different subjects whereas I notice with mm. with I like AQA I always call the multiple choice example because they always love multiple choice right, normally yeah. um and Edexcel is is normally a very they normally have very standard ways of asking and answering the questions regardless of the subject so talk to me about the maths then for economics generally is it uh, what sort of level of maths? Are you talking statistics level of maths, which I would yeah. say is a bit lower than GCSE, or is it, although actually I don't think that's entirely true now I say that, because my son is doing A-level maths and he uses loads of his statistics GCSE still. Mm -hmm. So wh what would you say is the maths level um, so, for economics? For GCSE, and actually probably for A-level, for GCSE it's working out um, these things called elasticities of demand, which is where you have to do percentage change and divide by another percentage change. So that's probably the hardest thing you're gonna get where you do percentage change in price, percentage change in quantity, and you divide them. And that's about as hard as it's gonna get maths wise. And um, for A-level, similar, the same formulas, but you might have to rearrange it a little bit. Whereas GCSE, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have you re doing any rearranging. Um, but yes, I mean, that's, that's about it in terms of calculations. You might have some, total revenue where you multiply price by quantity um but it's just multiplying two numbers there's no kind of difficult there's no difficult maths in it so would you say that economics at GCSE level is a science or a humanities um very good question people always say that you know if you do maths and economics are a good combination and then students that are more kind of English humanities based kind of worry about economics and say, oh, but it's mathematical. And I always say it's not mathematical itself, but it's a logical subject. And that's why it goes well with maths, because obviously maths is logical and economics is logical because you're looking at maybe it's just shifting a curve, you're changing something, you then look at the impact of that change. And you've got these logical well, I think it's logical chains of reasoning um, that you follow. So I think it's more if you've got a mathematical brain, then you can be good at understanding economics. 
But then the other side of it is you might have a mathematical brain, you might be able to understand it, but can you put it in an essay? Um, and that can be at GCSE, that's not tends not to be quite so bad, but certainly at A level, you can get some very good uh, mathematicians, further maths, and then it comes to writing an economics essay and they're getting half marks for it. They know the content, but they can't they can't put it into an essay. Yeah, and I think that is a really common issue with with a lot of a lot of uh, children in school is that they tend to get rooted one way or the other quite early on. So you know, are they sciencey, mathsy? Okay, they go one route. Are they humanities? They go another route, and they don't tend. You don't tend to get that mixing. Whereas I've noticed actually with home educated students that seems to be a bit less common and that whilst you do get some that are obviously like super mass brains you quite often get what I like to call renaissance children who seem to be oh, quite yeah. good at a number of different mm. things yeah so what about uh the role of opinion or critiquing uh different economic systems for example is there much of that for example are there questions like you know like um you know, I don't know, in a utopian future, would you prefer, you know, the, Cuba, the Cuban economy or the American economy or whatever? Is is there any of that kind of discursive opinion style stuff? Uh, not really. So you need to know the content and you might have uh, you might have a case study that you read for all, all the examples have a case study. Um, and it would be more a case of theoretical but you might bring in your conclusion you probably is where you bring in your own opinion but that it's not a kind of what you think mm. as in your own political views um it's facts-based yeah it's more facts-based but it's not just learning the textbook it's important to have knowledge of what is what is going on around us in terms of so the economy so it's not so much that there's nuance or interpretation that you need to sort of look at. So, you, you know, if you're given a graph, you can interpret it multiple ways. Generally not, no. no. But what you can do is you, it, you might have a question where you're interpreting a graph. So um, this happened not at GCSE, but at A-level, where you're interpreting the graph and it will be to what extent does this data illustrate that this is happening? And then you say, well, this is what it's showing. Then you could say, well, however, these are just averages um, and it's not illustrating the inequality. Um, so you then would critique it, yes, but um, not necessarily with your own opinion, just with kind of standard responses that you would often use for other questions. Mm, that's, it sounds it sounds similar in some ways to psychology or sociology in as much as it's it's not super mathsy but mm. similarly it's scientific in as much as you need to yeah. use evidence and facts yeah. to back up your answer and not yeah. opinion okay so if that's cambridge igcse and mm. that is perhaps that's the one you examine for but also the one that generally home ed students tend to like what's the second most popular qualification that you teach Ooh, the one that i've done the second most of is ocr which that's is... interesting because OCR is a kind of niche, um, a niche exam board in the home ed world. You, very few people do an OCR qualification. My son's actually yeah. doing OCR physics for A level, and actually, he his favorite book when he was nine years old was an OCR textbook for history, as you do. Um, and so, <laughs> OCR is is one of those exam boards we don't tend to get exposed to a lot in home education. So, tell us about the OCR qualification. Is it much different? IGCSE to GCSE first of all? They only have the GCSE for OCR. Um, it's in terms of content, I mean OCR and Cambridge CIE, they're both they're sort of related. Um, so I, I examined for OCR as well. 
Um, but I examine the A-level for OCR, not the GCSE. Um, but the GCSE for OCR, that's two papers. Um, so you have micro for one paper and macro for the other paper. Nice. So you, you see already, I, I like that system. Yeah, so that, that's just logical. The downside with Cambridge is obviously you have to learn micro and macro for both papers, um, which is a lot more in some respects. But then you get 40, you get 40 multiple choice in one paper. For OCR, you've got two papers, micro and macro, and both of them are set up the same way in that they start off with 20 multiple choice. So you do actually still get your 40 multiple choice, but across two papers. So you've got mm. 20 multiple choice, and then you've got... I think it's four questions with different parts to them, might be five. And you've got like a little extract to read. It's only like 10, generally only like a little, probably a paragraph. And then your questions are based on that paragraph. So you have like a two, I think you have quite a few twos. I think there might be a four and then you get a six. And then you have another little extract and you do the same again. And I think you repeat that about four times. So slightly shorter answers than yeah, the Cambridge. So, well, the Cambridge goes up to eight and OCR goes up to six. Um, so, yes, yeah, slightly shorter, but you have more. I suppose I think in total you probably end up with this tiny bit more reading because the Cambridge has got one extract, but it's longer. And OCR has got the little ones. So you do you do a, a series of questions on each of your little extracts. Um, I think in some ways that's possibly easier because there's less information to take in in the extract. So the extract for Cambridge, it, I would imagine it's probably about two thirds of a side of A4. Whereas the OCR ones, they do vary. They're, they put them in a little box, so it's a bit harder to tell, but it would probably take about two minutes to read each one. And how dense are, are they? Are they? I mean, for example, if you take an example like uh, history or environmental management, they have case studies that tend to be quite lively, you know, because they're quite interesting oh. subjects. And then you maybe have, oh, yeah, I know, maybe that's my prejudice. <laughs> showing. But then you have things like psychology that tends to be a bit denser, you know, a little bit more science, sciencey. So where, where, what sort of extracts are we talking about? Is it case it would, studies again? Yes, it would be factual case studies. So this is what has been happening. And this, so I, I seem to remember there was one about a music, a music shop, and the questions were about what should they be considering when they think about when they want to expand, they want to expand into the town next door. And there was a little bit of introduction about, I think, about the, the amount of money they made and how many customers they had. So there was a bit of maths in there, mm -hmm. um, but the extracts are not particularly long, probably a couple of minutes to read. And how long are the papers? Um, so for the OCR, it's an hour and a half each paper, and that's equal 80 waiting. Marks. Yes, equal waiting. Mm -hmm. at Eighty marks each paper. Um, okay. So the six mark questions, you've got some of them that are analysed, so you just explain, and then some of those six markers are evaluate, and those can be those OCR six markers. Everybody struggles with those. So the students that I've tutored for OCR, they usually the ones I've tutored actually, they're, they're, so all the OCR ones have been from schools. Um, and they have all come to me saying they, they're getting multiple, doing well in the multiple choice, but they are getting half marks in the six mark questions. And they're the one, you know, the bright students from school get sort of nines for all their subjects, but they just can't get these six mark questions. Um, so they've got a bit more, I say, a, a bit more of a technique, which is why I think for home ed students, they're going to be a lot harder if they're working on their own. And that's something along the lines of, the PE system for history is it where you have to 
take a point, provide evidence, and then explain how that answers the question. And that at the end, you almost do a contrary argument to what you've said. Yes, yeah, so, or you, you might criticise what you've said. So you make your argument and say, well, actually, it might not be this because, um, and that's the bit that they find harder. Whereas with Cambridge, you're saying, here are the advantages, here are the disadvantages, which is a different style question. And I think it's more accessible. Okay, that's interesting. And so what about the other IGCSE, which is the edXL? Because I asked because I think probably edXL IGCSE across the board is probably one of the most popular home ed choices. uh, If it's available, we tend to like it for some reason. I don't know why. So tell me about the edXL IGCSE for economics. So the edXL, again, it's micro macro, paper one, paper two. 80 marks, an hour and a half, so the same as OCR. But that's set up slightly differently in that it's sort of, you've got um, a mixture of like, you've got you've got a multiple choice and you've got like a two mark question, then another multiple choice. And it's all a little bit kind of scattered, scattered. different mm-hmm. questions. But then within, the, within that paper, you've got some six markers, some nine, and then a 12. Wow. So that's got, that's a bit more writing heavy. Yes, I'd say so, yeah. Does it have less maths to kind of counteract that or or does it have just the same kind of level of maths? I don't know. You know what? I never really think about how much maths is in there because I like maths. So it's not something that that put me off. I think if I didn't like maths, I'd be going through and groaning every time a maths question came up. And I'd probably notice a little bit more. This is why I ask all the time, you see. (laughs) Maths brings me out in hives. (laughs) Whereas I quite like the maths. So I don't really I don't really notice. But I don't I think it would all be similar. It'd probably be fairly similar. I mean, I was just having a quick look through a paper before before we met and I saw a few calculations. Oh, they look nice. Um, <laughs> but I haven't ever gone through the paper and kind of worked out which ones is one's more mass based. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be that, that much difference between them. I mean, what you'll find with Cambridge, if the maths ones are in the multiple choice, you can at least have a go, can't you? And you've got a one in four chance of getting it right. Whereas for the other exam boards, well, not OCR, whereas with AQA and Edexcel, if it's a two-mark question, you've not got a clue, then you're probably going to end up with nothing. Does Edexcel have no multiple choice then? So it does have some multiple choice scattered in the first. Oh, in, yes. Yeah. But in the paper, it's all a bit kind of it just seems to be a bit higgledy piggledy with a multiple choice and then a then a, a two mark question, then another two mark question, then a multiple choice. It's just a bit seems a bit all over the place. I'm sure there's a logical reason to it. <laughs> so, so far, we've got the OCR GCSE that has the least amount of writing, but slightly tricky writing. And then we've got the Cambridge, which is kind of medium level amount of writing mm-hmm. and and all maths is pretty much the same all across the board. And then yeah. we've got Edexcel, which seems to have the longest or the highest marked question. Yeah. So the longest. OK, so what about the AQA? Oh, no. Before we get onto that, tell me about the Edexcel, how that's broken down. How, so it's micro and macro. Is it two equal weighting papers and how yes. long are they? Yeah, so they're both an hour and a half like OCR. And they're both 80 marks as well. So equal weighting. Okay, so talk to me then about that. The last uh, qualification that we haven't looked at, which is the AQA GCSE. Oh, well, that's got a 15 mark question in it. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) Only one, though. Just the one in each paper. So you you do it for micro, you do it for macro. So um, AQA is one hour, 45 minutes um for each paper again micro macro they've got 10 multiple choice at the start so all the multiple choice are together at the start and then they've got um their other questions and and you've got sort of some little questions like twos and threes and you've got a six and a nine and a 15 
I think there's a couple of a few sixes in there, one nine and one fifteen. The 15 mark ones, that's quite a lot of marks, actually. I mean, even for something like history, that's actually really high. So is there a particular uh, style of question that they ask? Is that an evaluative question? That would be, that's evaluate, yes. So that would be the same kind of structure that make a point, uh, provide evidence, explain it, and then counter argue, like on the other hand, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay. And how does the how does the AQA stack up against the others? I mean, how is it nicely worded? Like, is it because I know that sometimes Cambridge is often thought of as being the IGCSEs actually are often thought of as being slightly more simply worded because they're they're sort of like international GCSEs. How does the AQA stack up against the other three? Um, I think I think they're all right. I don't I don't think there's any there's none of them really stand out as being particularly difficult to understand every now and again you'll be going through a paper and I'm not really quite sure what they mean by that because it's strange wording um but I wouldn't say any any exam paper in particular has difficult wording um I would say if anything Cambridge for A level sometimes words things strange and I'm thinking to myself how are international students going to understand this when English isn't their first language Um, yeah I mean Cambridge history was like that I mean it's so confusingly worded and you'd think all these poor 16 year olds all around the world where English is their second language trying to understand a Cambridge history exam Mm -hmm. (laughs) so talk to us and carry on yeah so it's just some of the questions that I sometimes I'm not quite sure what they're what they're meaning um and you have to read it a couple of times and think all right okay I think this this is what they're getting at um but yeah so I think I think the others that they're all and they're all okay in terms of understanding I think the worry, the worry with um, an exam paper with a couple of these very high mark questions is if you just don't know that one, or if you've not covered it, that's a big drop in marks, isn't it, potentially? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So talk to us about the A-levels then. So for A-level, again, you've got the same four options. Um, So Cambridge, AQA, Edexcel and OCR. Edexcel and AQA are by far the most popular. Um, so most of my students, in fact, I've got one OCR student, no Cambridge, and all the rest are at Excel and AQA with the majority of those. Well, I'd probably say 60-40 split at Excel AQA. Are these um, all just A-levels? They're not international yes, A-levels? no, in, no internationals. Mm-hmm. There, there might, I don't know whether there is an international one. I think it's just the Cambridge one. There might be, Edexcel sometimes have an international, oh, Edexcel do have an international paper. Yes, I remember now. Yeah, there is an international paper, but I don't know about the Edexcel international paper. I did look at it at one point, but I couldn't recall what it was like. They're quite new, I think, aren't they? The IALs. They might be. I feel like they are. Hmm. I don't know, though. I I question myself. I find A-levels a whole... A whole different ball game when it comes to trying to do them from home. It's really quite yeah. complicated. So, talk to so the Edexcel is the most popular. Yes, closely followed by the AQA. Yes. Yeah. And what's the what's the difference between GCSE economics and A level economics? Is there a big jump? Just like I mean, most A levels are quite a big jump, aren't they? Well, I'm actually quite surprised um, at how much is in the GCSE spec sometimes. Um, I'm thinking they, they do actually do quite a lot, and I think those that have done GCSE when they're in school doing a if they're, if they're in school doing A level, then a lot of the first term they're kind they've kind of done it before, um, and it's maybe just taking it a little bit further. Um, so 
I think there is, I mean, like with all subjects, there is a jump up to A-level, but I think GCSE economics, I think is not that easy. So I think if you've done GCSE economics and done well at it, then you've got a good chance of doing well at any level. And so for the A-level, what is the main shift between the GCSE and the A-level? Is it, you know, that that you have to put more of your own opinion in is it that it's you have to critique the data more is it more mathsy what what's the main difference would you say um i think it's just just harder just a step up and then obviously when it comes to the exams you're talking 25 mark 25 mark questions rather than the sort of 15 as the max so you've got a lot more it's a lot more essay writing than the and these essays would still be quite fact facts based would they a lot yes but you they they Particularly at Excel, or we talk, well, their, their um, questions for the macro will be um, they'll ask you a question and say, refer to a developing country of your choice. So they expect you to have done some research on different data for a developing country and to bring that into your answer. So it might be a globalization question how has globalization impacted developing countries? Refer to one of your choice. And they expect you to bring in a lot more of your own knowledge, um, not just textbook knowledge, but kind of what's going on in in the wider in the wider world and a lot of students in schools don't don't have a clue so I could say to them do you know what interest rates are at the moment and they're like two oh, percent uh, no and they've got they've got no idea but you kind of need to you ought to know that kind of thing um and in your essays you can incorporate things that you might have been reading about um which is which mean this if you don't have any knowledge other than the textbook it sometimes makes the essays difficult to answer to a high standard because so there's an like, assumption at, there's an assumption at a level that they're really interested in the subject and doing some listening around reading yes. around you know watching yeah. around mm. what about the textbooks what are the if we if we sort of dial back to the gcse the four gcse options is there one particular textbook that you prefer um there's not really a great selection of textbooks for GCSE um Sue Grant and Colin Bamford they're principal examiners for GCSE I think Colin I don't know whether Colin's still principal examiner but they've written a textbook for the Cambridge exam board um so that's the one that I would use it's very words very wordy though mm. um OCR I don't have their actual textbook, but I do have something called My Revision Notes um, for OCR, which is quite good. It's more of a kind of bullet points than loads and loads of reading. Is that a um, book? Yes, it is. It's a book. It's, I've got it somewhere on the shelf. It's probably about 150 pages. So it's not as if it's like tiny, but it's only like 150 pages. So that's quite good for OCR. But it is very difficult to get resources for GCSE economics. I've got an Edexcel one here, which is um yeah that's quite decent actually but again it's a lot this this is colorful and it's got headings but it's got questions in it so it is quite useful that's 368 pages that's the edxl one um and that's yeah it's, it's quite good but with a lot of the textbooks though there's a lot of there's a lot of writing um and not a lot i like to see a bit more bullet points and explanations whereas it's all a lot of them it's all kind of a whole load of stuff on a page and can be difficult to follow yeah Cambridge textbooks are a little bit that way generally I think aren't they right um so what about online resources are there any uh, online resources you would recommend well for a level there's loads but not really for GCSE unfortunately do they not uh, choose it in schools is that what it is 
Not so much. Most of the students I tutor are A-level, and I think that's mm. because schools don't generally, a lot of schools don't do GCSE. I think for GCSE, the only thing online, I'm sure there's other things, but online, there's a website you may have come across with other, a few other subjects called Easy Education. No. Is it spelled how you would normally spell easy? Is it one of these... <laughs> yeah, EZY. Oh, modern modern spelling is it? Yes. So EZY education. And they have um it's like online videos and then questions. And they do they do all the examples for A level, but not Cambridge, and they do OCOF GCSE. Um so you can subscribe to that. Now I don't know what the fee is for normal, like if you, you subscribe as an individual. I think it's quite expensive, but I've got a deal with them so um, I can get it for about £20 for a year, which is pretty decent for, for my students. But for, if you're signing up individually, it's different. But if you've got a home education group, you could probably get in touch with them and get subscriptions as a, as a package. Um, but they do have other subjects. They've got business studies and they've got maths. And I think they've got physics. I'm sure one of my students said they used it for physics. Um, so there might also be chemistry and biology but with this that is a, at GCSE and A level yes is a mixed I think some are A level some are GCSE but definitely for free so for economics it's OCR but you could use it for that you could use it for the other examples it's just it's broken down into the OCR specification so it, you'll look at the OCR specification and it will be this is the topic and then there'll be some videos to watch and some questions to answer and it marks the questions for you um, so you could use it for the other examples, but you just have to work out which bits which bits you need. Um, but I find it useful for the students I tutor because I can set them work from there. So if we've been doing something like, say, we do supply and demand, I can then set them some videos to watch on supply and demand and some questions to do. And then I can check what they check what they're doing. Um, so that's really good. So they they so schools, some schools subscribe to it. Um, and then they do sort of they they've worked with some tutors as well, or individually you can subscribe subscribe to it as well. Um, but that's that's quite good. I mean, the videos for economics they're not always the most exciting, um, but they they do the stuff. They do the job. Um, are there any are there any non specification resources that you would recommend? I know that my son read free economics yeah. like a free guide. I don't know something like that. And that and I know that there are there were some podcasts economics podcasts that he listened to yes. are there any sort of non-exam based uh, wider yes, learning ones yes yeah, so there's loads there's loads of things that you could use for GCSE or for A level so um yeah so free economics is a good book a good sort of starting book um then there's things like free lunch um there's quite there's quite a lot of books that you can that you can read but in terms of free stuff I listen to loads of podcasts um and they kind of keep you up to date with what's going on so wake up to money is great it's like a new daily news program um planet money i quite like it's american um and it's quite it's quite entertaining and light-hearted i would say um so planet money i quite like that one and then the other one that i like is um it's called is it you won't you probably won't like it it's um but for those that like maths it's called it's called something like more or less behind the statistics so it's looking oh at... i love that program oh you like yeah, it? yeah isn't that strange oh. even though i don't like maths because <laughs> i just i like anything that rootles down to the truth behind mm. statistics so yeah, yeah i do like right that so that's really good because it lets you see so when you're in an essay and yourself you've been given some figures you can it helps you learn how to sort of criticize those figures so if you want to evaluate you're like oh but you know what about this what about that so I love that one um 
and yeah, so that, that's that's probably one of my favourite. But Wake Up to Money is great. Um, Planet Money. I'm sure there's a couple of others that I listen to as well. What um, about but, YouTube yeah, pop- channels? Because I'm aware that mo- most people under the age of thirty, apart from my son who loves podcasts, most children under the age of age of thirty they absorb their content through visuals. So, are there any YouTube channels you address? Yes. Yeah, so again, this is this is focused on A level. Um, so maybe not quite so helpful. But lots of students really like a chat called Ecom Plus Doll. I'm sorry, what? Econ plus Dahl. Econ plus Dahl, as in Tucker Dahl. As in, yeah, as in Curry Dahl, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> but they, a lot of, a lot of A-level students really worship him and he does, he's got loads of, um, loads of videos on there. I mean, he is good, but sometimes he goes a bit fast and he doesn't go into perhaps he doesn't yeah he doesn't go down to the nitty-gritty like some perhaps say the weaker students might need um and he sort of skips over things that they perhaps might need a little bit more content on so he's good and then tutor to you is probably the main go-to it's a website but then they have videos as well but the videos are to you tutor with a number two and then the letter u so that's I'd say tutor to you is like the go-to place. You can buy you can buy loads of resources there. Um, they do loads of videos. They also do a lot of free um, webinars. So especially leading up to the exams, they'll do different topics and you can get them go sort of join them. Or and when they've done them, they've just put them on YouTube or put them online on their website. So you can watch them afterwards. So they're really good for free stuff. So um my very last question to you is: are there any general tips that you would recommend for people sitting the economics exam are there any sort of like revision tips or tips in how they approach the subject or approach the exams in the subject so is this a level or gcse let's let's go for gcse and we can you can tell me some a level tips afterwards for for that for that like one person who's doing (laughs) economics a level as a home educator um so for gcse i think it's about knowing how to answer those longer questions um, and knowing the exact the structure for your particular exam board for the longer questions, because you can you can know all the content, but if you don't know how to answer an eight mark question or a six mark question, then you could end up with two or three marks for that question. So that's half the marks just totally lost. So I think that's the first thing is to know to know how to answer the long the longer questions. Um, and then I think the other thing is just to practice. I always say you know, practice multiple choice. You can't you can't necessarily get know how well you've done for an eight marker or a six marker it kind of needs probably needs a teacher or, or someone that knows what they're doing to be able to mark it but if you can practice a multiple choice you can get instant feedback because the mark schemes are there for you to see the answers to the multiple choice and you can know and if you can do the multiple choice they can often be quite tricky um and it really gets you thinking so multiple choice is good revision for everything even though you might not get many multiple choice questions in your exam it's still good revision for everything else and you get instant feedback about whether you're understanding it. I think they're really helpful tips and and I know that my son who as I say loved economics I brought Helen in as a tutor at the very last minute really for my son for just before he sat his GCSE economics just to help him out with that exam technique just because it is different you can know the stuff but getting it down into an eight mark question or even a 15 mark question I mean that's you know that it's a whole different art form isn't it yeah definitely yeah 
Okay, so for any of our listeners who may want to uh, find you and see what you see what you're up to and see what you offer, do let us know your website links and social media links. So my website is hjeconomicstutor.com, I think. Um, and my Facebook, I think if you search for Economics Tutor, I think you should find me, but I, do, I think there's quite a few other people that call themselves the Economics Tutor. So probably the best way to find my Facebook is to go to my website and the link is there. And then I am on Instagram, but, but when I post anything on Facebook, it just automatically goes to Instagram. So it's exactly the same on Facebook as Instagram. So on Facebook, I just post, if I see something useful in the news, I pop that on Facebook. Um, and it's the sort of things that I'm expecting my students to be reading. So it might be a link to something in the news. So if interest rates have changed or we've got some figures out for unemployment, just the sort of essential, some of the essential details that students ought to be keeping up with if they're studying economics. Um, so I don't I don't post like every day, but it varies. Sometimes I might post two or three times a week and then sometimes it might go for a week with nothing. Um, so Facebook is probably the place to see if you want to keep up to date with some of the current affairs. In my experience, there are two types of tutors in the home ed world, and both both have their place, but they are quite distinct. The first type of tutor is the tutor that you pay your hourly money to. They turn up, they deliver the lesson, very good lesson. They may set homework, they may not set homework, they certainly don't mark homework, and then you see them again a week later. And you never get much feedback, you don't hear much from them, but they they deliver good lessons. And then you get a second type of tutor who turns up, does good lessons, sets homework, sends emails between the sessions, marks the homework, sends resource tips, sends like, oh, have you seen this? This program is out this week. That's really helpful. And like gives you loads of feedback. You're definitely the second type of tutor. And I and I have tutors that land in both camps and I have, have great respect for both approaches, but it is very nice to have a tutor that does send you emails saying, oh, have you seen this program's on? And this really relates to unit three of this exam spec. And it is really nice, I think, when you have that kind of feedback. Yeah, so I for my tutees, I now have a new system. Um, I use a website called Tutorbird, and I put all the information on there, so they can log on. And when I've got, seen a news article, they can just they can see it there, and I put resources on there as well. So I don't think you've seen that. Um, you may not that's have seen it. that. That sounds um, very nice. That's, that's quite useful. And do you do one to one or groups or how do? Because I know when when we first started, you were. You were still teaching, I think, when we first started, but now you're full-time yes. tutoring, yes? Yes, I think I was still at school. I think it might have been my last year at school and I've been full-time tutoring for about a year and a half now. So I do one-to-one and then I do do groups. Um, at the moment, I've got one group for year 12 running and then in the holidays, I do um, usually do like revision revision groups um, during, the, during not every holiday, but certainly I did at Christmas um, because a lot of students have mocks in January. And then at Easter, I'll be running some classes as well. But mostly it's one-to-one because that seems to be what the demand is for. So I think a lot of students that want tutoring for economics, it's help with the essays. And you can do that in a group, but you can't get the individual feedback in a group. That's very true. And I think that I've always been a big fan of one-to-one tutoring because I feel like it's the most efficient. But actually, as I'm nearing the end now of my home education journey, um, silent hurrah goes up. And (laughs) and, um, my son was saying, my son was a bit worried about how he was doing with his maths. And we were thinking about whether he was going to do physics at university and he was a bit unsure about his maths level and I realized that the reason he's unsure about how good he is at maths is because he's only ever learned 
on his own he's either self-studied or he's only had had a tutor and obviously when you have when it's just you and a tutor they always get it right and you always get it wrong I mean that's how it works whereas if you're in a group of other students you're able to gauge yourself against the others so I sent an email off to his tutor turns out he's very good at maths but he didn't know that because he just sees himself getting things wrong and being corrected but if he'd been in a in a group I think especially for a level actually I think it probably would have been nice if he'd had some group tutoring because they're able to bounce ideas off each other and all so he would be able to see how other people were getting on with the same subject yeah and his math tutor will probably be working on the things that he finds the hardest as well that's exactly what the math tutor said the math tutor said we're doing integration it's very hard <laughs> so you know <laughs> he is going to be finding it hard um okay well thank you so much for coming on and guiding us okay. through economics i i am i am safe safe to say that it isn't a subject I know a lot about my son self-studied it with no input from me because I don't know anything about economics and he would come and sit next to me and give me these long discursive conversations about economic policy around the world and my eyes would be like slowly <laughs> shut to me. but um but I know he very much enjoyed his sessions with you and thank you so much for talking us through the different specifications you're welcome Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.